We're going to get into God's word this morning, and we're going to engage with one of the most fascinating chapters found in 2 Thessalonians about the man of lawlessness. The scripture comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Can I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word? We love to stand, we love to read, and we read together in one voice. And the scripture will be on the screen. Let's read together. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming." The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, for the Apostle Paul. And I pray that you would ready your church. Ready your church for the future, Lord. There are many events that are found in your word that talk about the end times, but we, not, we need not be afraid, for the Lord has already gone before us. You have told us what will happen. We don't have all the details, but we have the details that are necessary to know that you will win, you will have the victory, that yours is the battle. And so, Father, we stand today with greater confidence, knowing that we need not be afraid of the future, for we know who holds the future. And so, Father, let faith arise in your church. Let us hope for God's kingdom to be established, we are a people that look forward to the second coming of Jesus. And, and we are not afraid. We anticipate this with great joy. And so, Father, prepare us for that day. You are coming soon. And so, Father, I ask for your help and your strength to preach the word of God to your people. I declare my need of you and of your spirit, Lord, that your people may understand some of this difficult scripture today. And so we thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated. The end times is all about the sequential unfolding of final events. 
And unfortunately, there is no single chapter that can provide us with a comprehensive list of events and when in history these events will occur. Now, we do have the book of Revelation, but it is quite challenging to fully comprehend everything within it. And I think God did this for a reason, so that we would actually mine the whole counsel of God's word. That we would not just be stuck in the book of Revelation, but we look at what the Bible has to say, what the whole Bible has to say about this. And so as we examine the various scriptures in the text, we start to see pieces of the whole picture. It is much like puzzle pieces, where we have various pieces with pictures on it, but we don't know how to assemble the full picture perfectly, maybe just in part. And so we trust the Lord with the rest of the picture. The man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians is a key person in this end times narrative. Who is this man? How will we know if it is really him? And what exactly will he do? These are all questions that come to our minds as we read the scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Well, this morning I want to share three traits drawn from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 to 12 that will help us rightfully, uh, rightly identify the man of lawlessness should he come in our lifetime. The first point I want to share with you this morning is that the man of lawlessness is against God. He is against Christ. We find this in verse 4. The scripture says he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he exalts himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Theologically speaking, the spirit of the Antichrist denies the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. This is what he comes to do. He comes to deny that Jesus was fully human, and he comes to deny that Jesus was truly God. It, he tries to, the spirit destructs, uh, deconstructs Jesus and cancels him from our Christian culture. The apostle John, he questioned in 1 John 2, 22, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. This means that those who willfully deny Christ have actually bought into the spirit of the Antichrist. Again, the Apostle John, he gives us additional information in 1 John 4, 2-3 to help us in the discerning process. He says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So like the kingdom of heaven that is here now and to come one day, the kingdom of the Antichrist as well is already, but not yet. There are still things to come in scripture that need to be fulfilled regarding the man of lawlessness and the spirit of the Antichrist that must come to pass. Finally, the apostle John, he reminds us that the Antichrist is not new in 2 John chapter 1 verse 7. He says, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Like Satan, 
The man of lawlessness will desire to be worshipped over everything and above God. He will oppose and he will replace the worship of the one triune God. And I imagine that these times will be something similar to that which we saw during the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. In the scripture, it says, Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of the gold, the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. What we're talking about here is a very cultic following, a worldwide religion, and the consequence of not worshiping or obeying will be death. A man of lawlessness is the final manifestation of the spirit of the Antichrist. That there are many uh, examples of that throughout history and throughout even our lifetime. There are examples. But the final manifestation will be this man of lawlessness. And how do we know this is true? In 1 John 2, 18, the Apostle, Paul, Apostle John warned us, Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. So if we look back, we will be able to see the trace of the Antichrist in various figures, in various times, in various places. But there will only be one man of lawlessness. And this man will be self-exalting. And this man will be self-enthroning. And this man will be self-proclaiming. Secondly, today, I want you to know that this man of lawlessness will be against the angels. In verse 6 and verse 7, we read, And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Now, we rarely talk about angels, and that is probably to our detriment. We think angels are a thing of the past, something in the Old Testament, nothing in the New Testament, and we think it's not applicable for today. And although there are myriads of angels in heaven, there are two archangels explicitly mentioned in Scripture. The first is Gabriel who appeared in the book of Daniel and also in the gospel of Luke. But the second is named Michael, who appeared also in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation. Now, Gabriel is typically the bearer of good news to God's people, while Michael is the bearer of bad news to God's adversaries. Let me give you a little bit of context regarding this archangel Michael. In Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 to 4, we read about the end times. This is Bible prophecy. And at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as, never, such ha such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found, written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes of sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. 
some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Now the Lord gave Daniel prophetic insight into the end times. But the words of the scroll had to be rolled up and sealed up because the time had not yet come. But here is Daniel writing the word of the Lord, and he's alluding to the deliverance of the saints and to the resurrection of the dead and a time of tribulation and eternal life for those who believe and eternal contempt for those who do not believe. So as you can see, the power of lawlessness was already at work even since the time of Daniel. The Apostle John, in 1 John 3, verse 4, he explained to us that sin is part of the secret power. Scripture says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Therefore, if you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, if we remain in our sin, we are aligning ourselves with the man of lawlessness. As you can see, the power of lawlessness was already at work since the time of even Adam and Eve, when sin entered our world under the influence of Satan in the form of a serpent, even there. Later, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 to 9, Jesus revealed to the apostle John his details of a battle. In verse 7, it begins, Then war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels, they fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. And the angels with the dragon are the fallen angels that fell with Satan and are now associated with the demonic forces that roam across the face of this earth. But we are already told that Michael and his angels win this battle, giving us a great confidence in the not yet of God's end time plan. You might be wondering today, who is the one holding back the man from work, the man of lawlessness? Well, there might be several layers to this answer. First, I think we should start with this. The first is God, because it is God who determines the proper hours, the proper time for the coming of things and events. The second may be the Holy Spirit, who helps us wage spiritual war using the sword of the Spirit and by praying in the Spirit. But the third is likely the Archangel Michael, who is holding this man back until God decides to take him out of the way. And while we cannot see all of these things happening in the supernatural realm, we can see the power of lawlessness at work in this physical realm. It is all around us. Wherever you look, you see the work of Satan. This is a reminder today that God and his angels are busy at work behind the scenes. You know, sometimes we go around and we think that 
God is just sitting on the throne, that God is just preoccupied with his own glory. But can I tell you that God and the angels are working behind the scenes. They are pushing back the forces of darkness. And we know how the story ends. We know that one day God is going to deal head on with this man of lawlessness. And we're going to read in just a few moments about the outcome of that. What will take place. But you need to know today God is working behind the scenes. You might not see it. You might not feel it. But I want you to know God is working behind the scenes of your life. And he's working things together for good. Third thing I want to share with you today is that the man of lawlessness is against the truth. And we find this in verse 8 to 12. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. The lawless one will operate in a parallel way to Satan himself. Like a magician, he will use many of those same tricks. He will perform signs and wonders, which will be a cover-up for his lies and his deception. And he will confirm that the hearts of these unbelieving people are lawless because of their total rejection of God. I want you to notice two things as we look at this text. The first is that there are no believers present in this scene. You can't find them. They're not there. The fact that the day of such rebellion has occurred gives me hope that the day of the Lord has indeed come, that Christ has come to take with him those who have died in Christ and those who are still left and they are caught up in the clouds. And this gives us great hope. And I believe that all of this will proceed only after the rapture and during the tribulation time. But this means that you and I do not have to worry about the man of lawlessness. This is really good news for us because a lot of us are afraid of these end times things. Many of us, we grew up with hell and brimstone preaching. Some of us, we grew up with the Left Behind series where people tried to scare us as to the coming of the Lord. But my friends, you don't have to be afraid. If your security is in Christ, why would you ever be afraid of these things? The man of lawlessness is going to be dealt with. The scripture tells us. We know how it ends for him. So why do we need to be afraid? The second thing is that God will send these unbelievers a powerful delusion. And some of us are asking in our, in our mind, why would God do such a thing? It is because the time to choose Christ and his truth will have come to an end. The period of grace will have come to an end. And in order to condemn the unbelieving, he will prove that they have not believed the truth and have instead delighted in wickedness. And this is similar to what we read about anti-truth people in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1 verse 24, the apostle Paul wrote, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart. 
In verse 26, the Apostle Paul wrote, God gave them over to shameful lusts. In verse 28, the Apostle Paul wrote, God gave them over to a depraved mind. And God will sadly, but also angrily, give them up so that they will be destroyed. I want to address something that a lot of Christians even believe. Some of you think that God is cruel. You think that God's punishment of unbelieving people is cruel. But I want to tell you the opposite. God has been so patient. You know, if you look up patience in the dictionary, I wish there was a picture of God there because he is the perfection of patience. He has been patient. He is love. His love is abounding. He is gracious and merciful. And that is who God is. I want you to know that. But that cannot last forever. God has been so patient with so many people, and he has given them the opportunity. He has done everything that is required for them to walk through the door of salvation, but they willfully choose to not accept. And God must deal with them, otherwise he is not just. Otherwise he is not righteous. You know, his desire is that nobody would perish and he wants everyone to come to repentance, but millions of people still alive will reject this truth. Every person must be held responsible for their own personal decision. That's why God has given us free will. He didn't force us to love him. He gave us the choice to love him. And so in this world of anti-truth, let it be known today that Jesus has said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thankfully, we're told who will remain standing in the end. It's the people of God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, we read, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Just for the record, Jesus' enemies are not overthrown and destroyed because of his bad breath. It's not that he doesn't brush his teeth. I bet you his, his teeth is really minty fresh. You know, the thing is this, Jesus just has to show up and his enemies are overthrown. Jesus simply breathes and his enemies are destroyed. You know, think about it in the opposite, in the beginning in Genesis, God just spoke and there it was. This is the kind of God we serve. As we conclude this morning, the worship team returns. I believe that the Apostle Paul was teaching the Thessalonians that which Jesus taught his own disciples in Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 to 35. You can read that for yourself maybe later this week. It's a very interesting portion of Scripture. But as we get closer to the coming out of the end of this age, false messiahs and prophets will provoke people by using mass hysteria to convince people to turn away from the Lord and to follow the ways of this world. In Matthew 24, verses 23 to 28 in specific, Jesus said, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear 
and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, even us. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Church, this is a reminder today for us to stay sober-minded even though we are eagerly awaiting the second coming of Jesus. That there will be people who come our way who tell us false truths, who are false prophets and want to lead us astray. Us, even the elect of Christ, we have decided to stand for Jesus. We can even be misled. If you can get anything this morning, let me give you this warning today. Do not believe everything you hear. I am serious. There are a lot of people that uh, have a voice out there who are projecting their voice and who want you to believe what they're saying. You need to be really careful about who you're listening to. Do not believe everything you read. I know we live in a world where information is highly accessible. Many of you are readers and you're good researchers and you can go hunt for the truth. But can I tell you, there is a lot of misinformation out there. Do not believe everything you watch. Some of you find your information from mass media, but can I tell you that mass media is biased in every way. They are trying to convince you of a certain belief, truth, party position, whatever it is. They have an agenda to take over your mind. Do not believe people who claim to have special knowledge or special information. Can I tell you what to believe in? Choose to believe in the Word of God. Seriously. Choose to believe in the Word of God. Choose to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because God is not into deception. God is into revelation. You know our God, you know what He says? He says, I am telling you this stuff ahead of time. He's not telling it to you late. He's telling it to you ahead of time so that you're well informed as to what is coming your way. He has already told us how the story ends. So all we need to do is play our part in the story and be faithful to the very end. That's it. That's our responsibility. So it is not with fear of the man of lawlessness that we live, but with confidence today we can say Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus, which means come soon. I don't know about you. But I'm telling you this, I love my family, and I love my church, and I love a lot of things in this world, but there is one thing that I love more than anything, I love Jesus. And if I love Jesus, then I'm going to love the fact that he's coming again soon. And some of you don't have excitement for that. For some of you, that's at the very back of your mind. Can I tell you that if you live with an understanding that Jesus is coming back soon, you will be ready every day. You will not be prepared. You will always be prepared. When you wake up in the morning, it's a great prayer to pray. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come soon. That's a prayer the church needs to learn how to pray. And I want to be found ready. I want you to be found ready on that day when he comes.
I don't want to be ill-prepared. I don't want to miss the boat. So church, stop being afraid. Don't be afraid of the book of Revelation. Don't be afraid of the tough scriptures that are there. Engage it. Read it. Meditate on it. Seek understanding from the Lord. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. Your pastor will teach it to you. And let us put our firm confidence in the word of God and the promises he's given us. And we will not be abandoned. We will make it to the other side. Jesus is coming soon. Maranatha, my friends, Jesus is coming soon. Let's pray.